0: I mean, you've got John Saxon trying to assassinate Darren McGavin because he found a crashed UFO? Yes! Radio Drome. Welcome to another episode of Radio Drome. I am Josh Hadley. With me, as always, is the Cecil back up and running. He'll explain that in a video down the line. Uh, I I am here. Barely. I mean that almost literally. And missing some of his body parts, Peter is back. Yes, I'm,
1: I'm alive and kicking. They oh, tried shit, to cut and- me up. They tried to... They tried to do it, but uh, I'm back. I'm back, baby. Missing a
0: gallbladder, but I'm still going. Are you Are you messed up on pain meds right now? A little bit. A little bit. A little woozy, a (laughs) tiny bit. You know what could help you with that? Going to AdamandEve.com. I'm from Canada. The promo code doesn't work for me. You could get it shipped to someone in America who could ship it to you. Or I could get a VPN. I'll get to that. We'll get to that one, but there
1: you go. Yeah, nice little segue for
0: you. Yeah. If you guys are in America, you go to AdamandEve.com. Use the promo code DROME, D-R-O-M-E, and you will get. 50% off of a single item, three free DVDs, free U.S. shipping, and a sex swing, all for using the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. And also, if you don't want people to know you're shopping at Adam and Eve or any other kind of sketchy site, you basically nowadays need a digital condom when you're surfing the internet, especially if you're surfing for the kind of movies we watch. And that's where Nord comes in. Go to 1201beyond.com backslash VPN. That will take you to Nord's website. By accessing Nord's servers, they will protect your data. They can get around region locking, protect you if you go to some of the darker places on the web. And if you use 1201beyond.com backslash drome VPN, you can get 75% off of a three-year plan. That's only two ninety-nine dollars a month for digital protection, and you really kind of need it. So go there. That said, let's talk about Mystery Science Theater 3000, and not in the way that most people are going to think we're going to be talking about MST3K. We're going to talk about the movies of MST3K. Because I was at the Rift Tracks Live Giant Spider Invasion the other night, and I was shocked by how many people not only had never seen Giant Spider Invasion before, hadn't even seen the Mystery Science Theater episode of it. Mm. And I've, I've talked, I have talked to so many people. The first time they saw the bulk of the movies on the show were on the show. And as much as I like Mystery Science Theater, I know you guys like Mystery Science Theater, I don't think that's the way to be introduced to these movies. I think you should see the movies naked if you will before that and i went through the list chronologically not of the order the movies came out but of the order mystery science theater showed over 3 quarters of mystery science theater movies i had seen before i ever saw them on mystery science theater hmm. and i think that'll that allowed that allowed me to appreciate the movies more, and the Mystery Science Theater more. How many Mystery Science Theater movies did you see before they were on Mystery Science?
1: I think it's like half and half. There's some that I first saw on Mystery Science Theater itself, like uh, Space Mutiny Mystery Science Theater, but something like ATOR, or I believe they call it Cave Dwellers, or Cave Dwellers on the show, I had seen well before the Mystery Science Theater episode. Same with Manos. But I, I think as it can be kind of a problem... If you go into it, never having seen the movie and seeing it just on Mystery Science Theater itself, it just, it's sort of, it can weaken the film, then it just becomes like a lampoon sort of thing. I feel like there should be some level of appreciation to the films, cause some of the movies that they play on Mystery, Mystery Science Theater, particularly, of course, the, you know, the, the classic, uh, the classic episodes, some weren't even really that bad. I mean, okay, fine. Puma Man is like pretty god awful. I think some of the, some of the movies on there were pretty like classic horror films like The Screaming Skull in my opinion is really good but that one's got a Mystery Science Theater episode to it and I'm sure there's a lot of people that watch that episode and went oh you a dumb movie because they're riffing on it and it's like well some of these movies aren't actually that bad it's just they're, they're having kind of fun riffing on it right it's like I feel like there needs to be that balance of not just watching it for the for the ironic factor and maybe some of these movies you can do that with with how bad they are but I think a lot of people have these misconceptions that these movies are just terrible and that's why they're riffing on them and they don't understand understand that particularly with the older cast, you know, with uh, with Mike Nelson and everything that they really did. They, they really did love a lot of these movies. They really do like a lot of B and, and Z grade budget films. And they're they're riffing on them because they like them. There's an appreciation for the films in the show and there's a lot of fans of mystery science theater that are big fans of these movies as well as the the hosts of the show and i think that can be lost on some of the viewers where they just see it as a way to make fun of the bad movies Packers won the
2: super bowl <laughs> <laughs> they,
0: they, they actually did redo that joke most of the jokes at the Rift tracks live they specifically avoided the jokes from mystery science theater but of course mm-hmm. they had to get packer jokes because they're all from wisconsin
2: they nice. had to they had I Would have been disappointed if they
0: didn't. The
2: the thing is, it's pretty much what what Peter summed up. I think in general, the people that watch it, they don't understand. Like a lot of them, I hate to sound like an old fart. A lot of them are a younger generation that got into mystery science theater, and they're looking at it from a perspective of they didn't grow up with these movies, they didn't see them on Creature Double Feature and whatnot, and they don't really have an appreciation for them as they are. Like I love them both ways. Like now, some of them, yeah, some of them are bad, and some of them just really aren't watchable but uh there are plenty that are genuinely good movies that are just fun like they're not when you say good i mean entertaining it doesn't like like it i'm not would you say
0: cecil would you say a lot of these are a good bad flick oh
1: they they, <laughs> they might be a good bad flick might need to be a cinemasochist to watch some of these
2: certainly you might need to be a cinemasochist to watch one of these or a few <laughs> of these people just automatically assume that because they're on the show they're bad and the, like they've even said uh, mike wrote in his book when they were looking for movies they were looking for that special balance they were looking for movies that were like bad but they had a certain something about them that made them fun. And they often would bring the fun out. And uh, they only said they only ever screwed up once when they were, what they would do is they had movies that they would go over and they would find like a movie and they would have somebody who would watch them. You know, they would each watch the movie and, Hey, this is good. They'd bring it to the rest of them. They'd watch it and they would go off of that. There was one, I believe it was the rebel set where they were under a deadline and they watched like a, like the first 10 minutes or so. And they're like, Oh, okay. You know what? Yeah, this is good. to work perfectly. And then about a half, like, they started working on it and riffing it and writing the jokes. And then maybe halfway through the movie, there was a brutal rape and murder. Oh, no. I, I, and I thought like, that was Side Hackers, maybe. was Side Hackers. That was it. It was Side Hackers. And they were like, oh, no. They're But they were already vested and they couldn't go. So they had to make it work. Oh, so that no. was when they implemented. They're like, OK, you, we need to have somebody watch these movies from beginning to end from now on before <laughs> we really start." Start getting into it but there's so many movies that they've done like you said cave dwellers uh, escape
0: 2000 incredible melting man laser blast phase like, that... four i don't even think that deserves to be on mystery science theater in any form
1: yeah, yes, some of the movies four. on there are genuinely good. Parts, the clone really is good. horror. So well, they, well, okay, with,
0: all... okay, I agree with you with parts, mm-hmm. but there are things in parts that very much make it riffable. Phase 4 is a slow-moving, it's one of the most intelligent creature features ever made, to the point where, as ridiculous as it sounds, super-intelligent ants take over the world, it's ridiculously scientifically accurate, too! Phase mm-hmm. 4 does not deserve to be on the show, and you can tell when you watch the phase four episode they didn't even know what to do with this trace has even admitted they didn't get the movie Mm. and you can kind of tell when you're watching the episode they really aren't understanding this are they so yeah. a movie like Phase well, 4 was shouldn't also, be there.
2: To be fair, that was also in the KTMA years. The majority of people never saw the Phase 4 episode. They kind of redeemed themselves in that back then when they were doing it for KTMA, they were doing just whatever they could get their hands on. And I think that was a case of, well, we got this. Ish, okay, yeah, like, like um, especially what happened in the later years. That's why they had to go to so many foreign films because they couldn't afford them. Because when companies found out, hey, there's this popular show and they're taking movies, they were charging so much money. They had said there were some movies where they charged the ri- the rights to get for the movie cost more than the actual production budget of
0: the movie. The last two seasons or the last three seasons, I can't remember how long they were on sci-fi. They had the entire Universal Library because Universal Universal Pictures' own sci-fi channel. So they didn't run into any kind of rights issues, more or less, in those last, in the sci-fi channel years, because they had Universal's library to pick over. Creature from the Black Lagoon movie and stuff like that.
2: Well, that was the, it was the, the Comedy Central years. It was also why Comedy Central canceled them, because they couldn't afford to do it. It was like, they had to pay $200,000 for the rights for a movie that cost $50,000.
0: let us take a look at some of the movies here. I'm just looking at the ones I saw before they were on Mystery Center theater this is a long list but like the green slime green slime was a well actually most of this stuff was uhf tv staples in the 70s and 80s but like the green slime i think that's a legit great movie but at the same time yeah i totally see how it's riffable as well
1: oh it's it's absolutely riffable but again it's a it's another very entertaining film that you don't need to watch with the riff track like you can still enjoy it on its own
2: yeah same thing it's uh it's an enjoyable film it's a creature feature that uh, works either way uh sir that's the thing a lot like like, I think that, do I like the Rift version? Yeah. There are still some that they absolutely can be watched on their own. It, it does, I, I don't want to say it detracts from the film when it becomes a Mystery Science Theater, but but then you you kind of fall in love with it. But I also think that it kind of introduces people to a lot of the films, found movies. Hell, I found movies through them that I've enjoyed after the fact. Well, yeah,
1: I mean, the Mystery Science Theater introduced me to f***ing Red Brown. If it wasn't, that right for, there, it wasn't for that, them, if it wasn't treasure. for the... If it wasn't for the space mutiny episode i wouldn't know
0: anything about him see i i okay i grew up in the 70s and 80s red brown was my captain america man i i watched <laughs> i watched those captain america movies the night they premiered red, Ra- to R- a, red uh, brown was captain america to me man then i'm looking like uh, you know the gamera movies those were all the i thought every gamera movie up till gamera versus super monsters which i think was like 84 85 all of those i saw on uhf tv before Ms. those <laughs> are so great i, I love the Gamera movies. Oh, uh,
2: yeah. So much Mystery fun. Mystery Science Theater introduced me to Gamera. Really?
0: Oh! The, 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 big tur- yeah. the Big Turtle was a Mystery Science Theater thing for you? Yeah.
2: The, <laughs> I saw it, uh, I think, 1991, I think. The, uh, what was it? Gamera versus Zegra was the, it was the first episode of Mystery Science Theater that I ever saw. And nice. it was the first Gamera movie that I ever saw.
0: And I was like, I immediately fell in love well, with, with both of them. Well, and then, of course, all the Sandy Frank stuff, Time of the Apes, Star Force, Fugitive Alien, all that. All of those, again, UHF staples. Now, now sometimes, especially if if you're like, you know, Pete Chirilla and myself who watched a lot of UHF television and stuff like that in the 70s and 80s, we might not remember the titles. Because like some of these, like maybe if I saw, oh, on Mystery Science Theater, they're showing Star Wars Fugitive Alien 2. I'm like, I don't know that one. And then five minutes into it, go, oh, okay, I have seen this, maybe under a different title or I forgot the title, Mm -hmm. but oh, I've totally seen this. So sometimes the title doesn't jump out, but you go, oh, I've 100% seen this movie before
1: yeah well it's like the it's the same thing with you know it's it's cave dwellers on the show but it's it's ator is, is the movie they're doing like occasionally it's it's like an alternate title kind of thing
0: but then like i said phase four phase four is so intelligent but like i said you get just give the log line super intelligent ants take over the world it sounds like a creature feature yeah it, it sounds it, like a b movie it's not it's it's, really it's an amazing amazing movie that you just... It's one of the purest science fiction concepts out there, and it doesn't dumb it down for the audience, which is why I think, honestly, it doesn't work as Mystery Science Theater. That's a... I think it's a boring episode, because they're really struggling to find jokes for this one, you know?
1: Th- that's the way I feel about the Screaming Skull episode, because I i genuinely think that's a really good movie that, for its time, was very well ahead of its time as well, because it, it tackled things like not just like ghosts and revenge kind of stuff and murder intrigue, but it tackled like mental illness. Like the woman in the movie is suffering from some sort of post-traumatic stress. Uh She's suffering from a lot of like mental illnesses. And the the man that she's with, her her like new husband or whatever, is pretty much like gaslighting her and, and everything. Like she's noticing these weird things in the house. He's telling her that she's just seeing things like it's a very, very character driven film. And when I when I watched the Mystery Science Theater episode on it, I just I couldn't get behind it i'm like this is this is a really good movie why are we making fun of it like there's some really genuinely good character interactions here sure there's some really hokey effects with the skull floating around and, and the ghost woman or whatever but as far as like the actual story the the sort of content that it tackles especially for that time in, in the very very early 60s late 50s to be to be going with uh to, to be the show, showcasing a character with those sorts of, sorts of issues, which weren't really shown that much back then. At least not, not to that extent. Um, so I really think that that's a movie that's, uh, much like Phase 4, maybe too good for Mystery Science Theater.
0: Well, you also had weird stuff. I mean, we're still in the KTMA era here, but like, a, a lot of, especially the KTMA and Comedy Central era, they were basically using what, what were syndication packages. Right. That, that, that that's why I saw so many of these on syndicated television vision because the same syndication packages were going around and that's where they were you know, basically pulling from humanoid woman the weird russian sci-fi movie that <laughs> obviously poorly dubbed into english oh yeah i remember seeing that on uhf or uh sst death flight caught that on uhf city on fire not the one tarantino stole this was the canadian one with the all-star cast about uh i can't remember is it a meteorite that causes the city to catch up it's a it's a it's a disaster flick Okay. It's basically a Canadian Irwin Allen movie and it's got like Leslie Nielsen and all these people movies like that are great but they are open for riffing so i don't have a problem with it yeah. you know
2: how about the uh,
0: the last chase the Last Chase, I caught that on UHF TV at some point. I enjoyed the hell out of it, honestly. Dude,
2: The Last Chase is awesome. You got, uh, you got Lee Majors in a freaking, what, super, uh, I don't even know what kind of sports car. Like, tr- in a post-apocalyptic world, and he's being chased by Burgess Meredith in a jet.
0: That's so awesome. Hanger 18, another genuinely good movie from the KTMA days. I mean, you got John Saxon tried to assassinate Darren McGavin because he found a crashed UFO yes oh, this is a yeah. great film man Absolutely. I, I just got that on blu-ray Dude. Hangar, hangar 18 and you know what that's another you can always tell especially during the ktma days they're really struggling for jokes you can tell when you watch this one you kind of get lost in watching the movie and then all of a sudden they'll pipe up and it's like oh yeah that's right they're supposed to be making jokes
2: <laughs> well in the ktma days they didn't script them they would just do, like watch them and kind of like let it go, and they
1: realized they're like, no, we have to script them. This isn't working. Yeah, you got to find the beats and everything. Yeah, Did they script um the Manos episode. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, all, yeah, all of the
0: all of the Comedy Central and Sci-Fi era stuff were scripted. Okay. Yeah, they,
2: the KTMA was. I mean, that's kind of why like they're not real those ones out there is because they were still kind of finding their their vibe. You know, they were right, right. They, they were just getting into it, and uh it wasn't really until they started getting their footing that they said, okay yeah, we need to script these. And then, uh, you know, when they when they got on Comedy Central, then, yeah, those were all scripted. It was originally just the original group, and then they hired additional writers. And...
0: Well, and then also to, to close out the KTMA days, I had also seen The Million Eyes of Sumaru. I really dug that movie at the time. I haven't seen the Mystery Science Theater of it since, like, the early 90s. But at the time, I really dug that movie. I don't think I would anymore, though. Uh I don't
2: know. I mean, sometimes I always get worried about, like, going back and watching a movie from my youth. Like, oh, you know, this movie terrified me when I was little, and then go back and watch it. And I'm like, okay, you know, this, I enjoyed it, but it doesn't, it isn't terrifying me. When I was little, I saw um, Earth versus the Flying Saucers, and there's that part where they Where they ju- suck out the brains? Yes. I refused to look up for like a year when I was like five or more. Oh, man.
0: <laughs> you, you know, for a, for a fifties movie, that is graphic as hell, too. It, it is really
2: is. So yeah, that terrified me. So, but then I
0: watch it now, and I'm like, oh god, that's so corny. Well, but then, but then when they move into the Comedy Central era, of course they open with the crawling eye, another UHF TV staple. And the crawling eye is very riffable, but I happen to really like. I think it's got a good. Maybe it's just a black and white cinematography. I dig the crawling eye. Crawling Eye is a perfect balance of, like, it's very, very
1: riffable, it's entertaining, and it's still a very fun B-creature film. Like, it's basically a perfect Mystery Science Theater movie.
2: Uh I've only seen a riffed, so I've never seen it without.
0: Well, but then there are other ones that really the only way to sit through them is with the riff, like, I saw Robot vs. the Aztec Mummy and UHF TV. <laughs> that, that movie's a hard sit, man, oh, it, no. it, it is. It is.
2: I yeah I, same thing. I saw that on uh, I think Creature Double Feature. Scared me, you know, giant monkey with like it, it just I don't know with the weird helmet and the diving.
0: No helmet. no no no. Oh that's that's, not... ro- that, that's that's Robot Monster. Oh
2: that's Robot Monster. Oh, robot makes... Monsters
0: are a cool ass movie. Robot Monster would come later on Mystery Cin. No, robot the Robot versus yeah, the Aztec come... Mummy. That's oh, that Mexican uh... one.
2: Right. Okay, I remember that now. Yeah, 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 yeah. That one. That's a tough sit. But no, yeah. Robot. Uh, the robot uh, ro- monsters. Robot fun, monsters yeah. is, is the one that I saw a bunch of times. I'm mixing up the robots.
0: Uh, oh, uh, and his 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 name was Ro-Man, and he was here to stop the Man. Oh <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> then there's like women of the prehistoric planet. Corpse vanishes. Crawling, crawling hand is pretty bad, actually. Uh Slime people. I genuinely dug slime people. Well, it's bad, but in a good way. Robot Holocaust Robot Holocaust, post-apocalyptic Italian. Yes! Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love that!
1: Made, um, Mutant Hunt, I think? It was yeah, oh, his movies are
0: great. They're
1: so weird. Robot Holocaust, ripped. I've only ever seen it unripped. You can appreciate it more than when you see oh, the I, Mystery I, Science Theater. I teacher. love it! That that guy's got such a weird style to him, especially in uh, Robot Holocaust and uh, Mutant Hunt. Like, There's such unique movies that almost have like Paul Verhoeven was on a really tiny budget or something. Like, That's kind of what it feels like to me.
0: Like I said, having seen a lot of these movies before they were on Mystery Science Theater, there's stuff like Rocketship XM, hmm. which is one of the most important science fiction films ever. When that movie came out, in, I, I want to say the early 50s, maybe that movie was the first one to say we're going to be as close to scientifically accurate of what we knew of space at the time hmm. as possible. Rocketship XM is is a, is a is a super important film. Is there stuff to riff a little bit? That one. That's another one i'm not sure deserves to be on this show Mm. though sometimes you're kind of rolling the dice with it and plus also what was
1: covered earlier is they do have like a deadline that they need to meet sometimes sometimes you just you got to go through it and go with the movie that you've you've watched and taken notes on like you got to get that episode out there that episode
2: is very important in mystery science theater history because it introduced kevin murphy and frank conniff for the first time
0: but then but then there's also stuff like catalina caper i i i didn't remember that movie at all until i saw the mystery science theater i went oh god i've seen this film <laughs>
2: No, you know what? This is one I never saw. I only saw the Mystery Science Theater version.
0: Well, then there's stuff like Rocket Attack USA, Lost Continent, First Spaceship on Venus, all those on UHF. God, you forget but how then many the... movies they really riffed. Yeah, they did, uh, what, like 200 or something? They God, did a lot.
1: insane. I I've seen. I know one. I've seen a lot of them, but I don't think I've seen all of them. Well,
0: like I said, Pete, when I was going through the list, I was shocked. I was shocked at how many of these I have seen before they were on Mystery Science oh, wow. Theater, and I was just like, "Wow!" Even I was kind of taken aback by this. (laughs) But then there's, but then there's stuff like, you know, Godzilla versus Megalon, Godzilla versus Sea Monster. Who didn't see a Godzilla movie? on UHF TV if you were born before two thousand. Mm-hmm. They were still showing those on UHF TV in the nineties, man. <laughs> but but then we get to like cave Dwellers. again, just like Pete, I had seen this earlier, but not under the cave I'd never seen the Cave Dwellers thing pop up except under no, no, yeah, for theater. Me it was always I, I, uh ATOR the fighting eagle or whatever the hell it was. Yeah Exactly. I it exactly as, uh, I knew Blade it, Master. Yeah I've got a VHS of it as Blade oh, that's Master cool. Same thing with Pod People, with, with that weird intro from Film Ventures. I had never seen that version before. I saw this under its original title, like, which escapes me at the, the moment. The new extraterrestrials. Uh, yeah, yeah, something like that. I, I saw that on UHF TV before the Pod People version. Did
2: you ever see the international cover for that, like, after uh, after the Transformers movies came out? They, they re-released oh it. It's like... It's using like pictures from Transformers. Oh no Dude, way. It's amazing. <laughs> oh that's hilarious. It's the, the most completely raw, like I've never seen a cover completely sells the wrong movie. Oh that's so
0: good.
1: I love it when they do that. I, I, I don't. I, I don't think they've ever. Well, see, heard...
0: I, I, I actually, I, I have. I, I used to have back when VCDs were a mm. thing. Remember that in the early two thousands? I found it at Goodwill, and and it had the copyrights and everything. So I do not think it was a bootleg. Mm. I bought a VCD of Return of the Jedi, and on the cover was Arnold no, from Predator. No, <laughs> way! That's
1: awesome.
0: Yes, and and I'm like, okay, do, do they just have abs? No, it was just holy him God, holding God. the gun oh with the face God. paint, and, and, and he's, he's right there next to Mark Hamill oh, with the lightsaber, shit. and I'm like...
1: That's amazing!
0: And, and like I said, <laughs> it had the copyright notices and everything, so if this was a bootleg... Oh, oh, it wow! A that existed. Holy
1: crap! That's amazing! <laughs> I thought the... Oh, there's one... I was gonna make, it, make this as an example, but this is nowhere near as good as this, in terms of, like, repackaged films and sort of bootleggy movies. But one of the first movies Keanu Reeves ever made was a film called Brotherhood of Justice. It was like a TV film, minor role from Keith Sutherland in there. They repackaged the film to look like John with Wick. With John Wick. Yes, I have and that hilarious. DVD of it. The movie is nothing like that. It's it's a really, like, neutered film. There's no real violence. It's very petty crime kind of stuff. And Keith Sutherland, I think... It's a pilot. It's in my book. Keith is in it for five minutes total. Like, he's barely in it. But they've got them, like... You got, like, Keanu on the cover with, like, the, the scruffy beard and the... Suit and it's like, Keith or Sutherland and Keanu Reeves are Brotherhood of Justice. And even the synopsis is made up. It, it's just like these two are blood feuding keith or sutherland must stop keanu reeves it's like the movie is nothing like this like it's just these like high school kids that decide to become this like petty like vigilante mob it's it's one of the lamest films ever like a completionist film if you're that much of a keanu reeves fan and
0: that was a pilot yeah, for a series. yeah series right uh, i that's, actually talk i actually talk about it in my it book brotherhood like, of justice uh, was meant to be uh, a very like
1: tv made for tv kind of feel to it as it was going to be
0: a show we got to look at, like, The the Amazing Colossal Man, It Conquered the World, Earth vs. the Spider, Teenage Caveman, Viking Women and the Sea Serpent. All of these were UHF staples. I probably saw each one of those at least twice on UHF television on a Saturday afternoon or on a late Friday night at 3 a.m. before I saw it on Mystery Science Theater. But then we're getting into some of the the weirder ones. You know, War of the Colossal Beast, Santa Claus Conquers the (laughs) Martians. Now, there's a (laughs) rippable movie. I remember the first time I saw Santa Claus Conquers the Martians two in the morning, like two day two days before uh, Christmas on ripped, UHF television. Someday or just no. without the rep, just a regular movie. Just on TV, it was like, "Whoa, <laughs> what the hell Riff, is this? Oh,
1: man. Who the hell decided to air that at two a.m.?" I mean, thank them for doing it. Santa
2: Claus Conquers the Martians. I did not see until Mystery Science Theater, and uh, I I fell in love with it because it's terrible, but it's Like, it was a movie I saw all the time at the video store. There was some label that released... Like, I didn't know what a cult classic was at the time. And so, for me, grew up very Catholic. For me, like, cults... Were evil. So when I saw they had these, they had this VHS, and it was Santa Claus Conquers the Martians, introducing Pizadora. and it had you know cult classics films, and there was that, and there was a couple other ones, and I was always like, oh, I don't want to watch that, like thinking like I'm gonna watch this movie about Santa Claus with with and I'm gonna like somehow join a cult.
0: I I just so, I, uh, I, I remember the title is what stuck out at me because we're talking like like 1989, maybe 1990 at this point. I I just remember seeing the title. You know, in the TV guide and it's like, Santa Claus conquers the Martians. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta see this.
1: And it's and the thing is the movie does not disappoint. It's just as wild as you think it's gonna be. Like, it's yeah. an insane film. Like even for that time, even for like a B movie. What the f- why? Like but, where did that idea even come from?
0: But He's here's fighting, the thing.
1: Like, but here isn't like Satan in it too? No. No, that was uh okay. that was Santa Claus. There's another one where Santa Claus fights Satan. Yeah, know, yeah, it's but, just that one's yeah. just called Santa yeah, Claus. Yeah,
0: but oh, but, but Santa Claus Conquers the Martians is A perfect UHF two-in-the-morning movie for two days before Christmas. It really, right. really is. This next one's going to be weird, because I technically didn't see these before I saw them on Mystery Science Theater, but I also technically did. Master Ninja 1 and Master Ninja 2. I'd never mm. seen those as Master Ninja, but I used to watch the Master, so I saw all of the episodes that were edited together for those before they were on Mystery Science Theater. If that oh, if okay. that convoluted logic makes sense. So they split it into like just made like two movies out of it. No, the master was a thirteen episode TV series, and then they made two two TV movies out of editing the episodes Ninja to master get whatever, Master Ninja. Yeah. Well, they took oh, okay. they took
2: two they took each ep- each episode was two episodes
0: of Master Ninja
2: merged together to make a movie. The, the, okay. the
0: Master. And you want to talk about misleading VHSs. I have a VHS for Master Ninja 1. And it not only has a then, this is like, came out like 94 or so, a then modern photo of Demi Moore on the cover, because she looks nothing like that in the episode because she's way younger. And for some bizarre reason, it says Master Ninja, and I swear I'm not making it up. It has a f- picture of Bruce Lee who has nothing to do with the show and was dead for 10 years when the show was made. But Bruce Lee is on the VHS cover instead of Lee Van Cleef. I think they got their Lees mixed up by whoever was in marketing. (laughs) Yeah, probably. Well, Lee Van Cleef and Bruce Lee are 100% not the same guy, you know? then there's other stuff like the giant Gila monster, or as the horror host Ned the Dead that I used to work for would pronounce it when he would show it, the giant Gila monster, he would always say. Teenagers from Outer Space. I actually think that one, I was shocked at how graphic in a 50s way, like when they zap the dog and just the bones fall down, I was shocked that a movie called Teenagers from Outer Space would do that. Torture! Cecil, you and I, we have to discuss, I never saw it under this title, Time Walker, a.k.a. being from another planet. Dude, you don't know how many times I used to watch Time Walker on HBO in the 80s. And then, because I kind of went into it blind, because I'd never heard it called Being From Another Planet, which also, way to spoil the twist, guys, because you're not yeah. supposed to know he's an alien to the last f***ing five minutes.
2: I saw it on VHS as Time Walker, and uh, the the although the, the cover kind of spoils it. Yeah, because, I remember. Uh, that. Isn't he sort it's... of
0: like looking up at the stars or something? He's looking up at the yeah.
2: sky, and I think there's like a... I think there's like a text on there, you know, he's trying to get home or whatever. So that kind of spoiled it. But, um, yeah, I saw the VHS of that long before it was, uh, being from another planet. But then again, as you, I saw it as being from another planet. And I'm, I thought it was funny because it was, as is a lot of these movies, they're edited to get the runtime down and to take out anything that, uh, they might not be able to get, uh, past the sensors. Not that it was that graphic, but, um, I believe there was some nudity in it, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I mean, it was an r-rated film so they had to they had to trim some things here and there and that's the other thing with a lot of people don't understand about the mystery science theater movies you're not seeing the complete film a lot of times there's stuff that they have to take out and that also will impact the quality of the film it, it, it really a,
0: impacts like when we get to mitchell how they make jokes about how john saxon's character just disappears and i say to myself but he doesn't you edited out his death so that's a little disingenuous, isn't it? where when when, when you're God. make when you're bit. making references to the edits you're making in the movie about how the movie now makes no sense. I think that was probably inside jokes more so
2: for, either they're just like, hey, where'd he go? I think that was them just kind of taking the piss out of themselves. I don't think that was them being disingenuous.
0: I I found it as a little douchey where it's, you are the ones who edited his death scene out and then you make comments about how he doesn't have a proper closure in this. You did that, not the movie. Mitchell has a lot of things to riff. That's not one of them. Well, Joe Don Baker said if he ever saw any of them in public, he'd punch them in the face. But, like, he doesn't know what any of them look like. So. The, when, before Bill, well, Bill Rabane was always insane. But before he went clinically insane, he'd met them. He was cool with them for Giant Spider Invasion. But then later on, I guess he forgot that he ever met them because he ranted if he ever met these guys, he was going to punch them for what they did to his movie. Jeez. But he's, he's I know. nuts. Bill Rabane's a whole different uh, story.
2: Robert Fiveson thanked the Mystery Science Theater guys for, in essence, getting word of his movie out there and actually helping with his lawsuit against uh, the island. A lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> on that lawsuit, because they, I mean, that was a slam dunk case. They had an obscene amount of
0: things that they took from uh, well, the island now, is like, as much as I love it as Michael Bay's best movie. It, it's a Tarantino movie. He plagiarized that movie up and down.
2: Oh, it, well, the, I, <laughs> no, the thing is, I will I will play devil's advocate here. I don't think that it was his fault. I think that whoever wrote the film ripped off parts. And then I don't think that they came to him and said, "Hey, we got this movie." Part, and then he decided. I Uh, think that he really just see. Okay, here's
0: my thing on that one. I would I would say that that's correct, but he's even picking similar camera angles as the same shots in. You cannot tell me he didn't watch parts first.
2: It's very, po- it's been a long time since I've done the video, so it's very possible that, uh, that, uh, he did. Uh, you know, and just, I mean, it's just funny, you know, pay the $100,000 or whatever to buy the rights. Instead millions. However yeah. many millions on the back end that they lost. But,
0: but then there's stuff, you know, Tack of the Giant Leeches, Killer Shrews, all of those Hercules movies, UHF staples, Tack of the Eye Creatures. Now, here's the, here's the strange one. The Human Duplicators. I technically saw that one on UHF television first on elvira's show when she had her syndicated show so i saw human duplicators with elvira then i saw it with joel and the bots is that weird no because i think i don't
2: remember which ones but i know i saw some mystery science theater well some pre-mystery science theater movies with stella the man eater from maniunk who uh there was a tri-state area thing Stella was the late night horror host who she had Saturday Night Dead that ran after Saturday Night Live. And that was in, uh, the tri-state area here in Philly. And, uh, so. I
0: actually, I actually uploaded a couple of those to YouTube that I found.
2: Oh, did you? Cause I, I would go back and watch some of them. And yeah, Stella was like a, you know, she was a thing here for, you know, uh, six years, I think maybe 10 years, something like that. But anyway, so I used to, um, my dad used to go out in the living room because we only had one TV in the house at the time. (laughs) Hey, kids, enjoy the fact that with all your goddamn televisions, we had one TV. But he would sit in the living room on Saturday night and would watch Saturday Night Live and would fall asleep. And I would sneak out and I would sit next to his lounger while he was sleeping and would watch Saturday Night Dead. And that's where I saw a bunch of, uh, the, the, the black and whites and the old horror movies that, uh, you know, you couldn't see, uh, whatever wasn't running a creature double feature. And, and also, you know, Stella, you know, young boy, I'm like, Hey, you know, who's this chick with the tits? Yeah. She, she's <laughs> got some
0: knockers on her. Exactly. Exactly, I was just learning things. But, but then you also got, you know, like, Monster Agogo, of Go-Go, Day the Earth Froze. And remember, I'm only talking about the movies I saw before they were on Mystery Science Theater. I'm skipping, we're not going through everything here. But then we come to Bride of the Monster, another UHF staple, Ed Wood. Time built for her... Go to Bed! What actually shocked me, and it's probably because of that... Fucking prick Wade Williams don't even get me started on what a sleazebag he is he claims he owns Plan 9 from outer space even though even according to the US Copyright Office it's a public domain movie and and, and, well according to Wade Williams he says he owns it oh and by the way Kathleen Wood also says Wade does not own it but Wade still sues anybody who tries to do anything with Plan 9 I know I know MST3K tried to get Plan 9 for years piece of shit, Wade Williams got in that Way um, like I, I feel stupid for even asking,
1: but have they done Plan Nine on Mystery no. Science Theater? No, riff tracks to and so did Mike Nelson. I always remember it ep- was like it, it. I mean, I hadn't seen it, but I always assumed that was like a classic Mystery Science Theater episode. Like they must have done it. It. And it's all it would have been, uh, been all because of this douche
0: that's holding on to the rights. Well, because see, okay, Wade Williams claims he's a he, he's an archivist in quotes. He claims he's an archivist. He claims he bought all of these movies and the the the, the Perpetual rights in, like, the 60s, and, like, Rocketship XM, Bride of the Monster plan most of ed wood's filmography and a bunch of other movies western big monster movies all this he claims he bought all these the u.s copyright office disagrees they outright say these movies are public domain he goes and sues anybody that does it he even sued universal nbc when they were doing something when the day of the earth stood still remake was coming out they did a like you uh. know 50s sci-fi a look back he sued them for a segment on nbc news should be. <laughs> and, and saying saying i own these movies he sued Anybody, and he keeps losing, but wow, he keeps. Seeing, I, I, I've be, even I, I've even run across that. him on YouTube. He got my YouTube channel taken down for a while because he claims he owns the movie Horror Hotel, oh, no, which is a me. public domain film. When I uploaded the Misfits hosting Horror Hotel, because weirdly enough, after Joe Bob Briggs got fired from Monster Vision, mm. they were going to bring the Misfits in, yeah, and so they mm. recorded three episodes of their version of Monster Vision, which never aired, but. They were then released through the Misfits Fiend Club, and I uploaded those, and th- this cocksucker claims this movie, which, by the way, nobody disputes is public domain except Wade. Mm. Wade Williams is a piece of shit, and he's holding back so many films from coming out on DVD. Uh, there are, there are numerous classic films that are sitting there that Wade Williams is blocking coming out on Blu-ray, because he's going, I own it! I own it! I own it! I own it! These are, these you know are the what, first uh, kinds of people,
1: these like, semantic, I've got a lawsuit on this. I have ownership of this because I, you know, you don't even own the movie. Like, there's some guy who decided to buy the rights for some public domain film and he's hoarding it and leeching off other people's work and like filing lawsuits. Well, see, no, no, no anything. no. These these types of people deserve to just be kicked
0: by a horse and die. Like, I can't stand it. With Wade Williams, he's even worse. Because he's, he's, okay, this is one of the things he does. There's an old TV series called, like, Tales of Tomorrow, Mm -hmm. and he does this with a a lot of the movies he claims he owns. In the age of the internet, this is easy to get around, but prior to the internet, so we're talking the 80s and 90s here, what he would do is he would, he would find, like, one of the master prints or one of the prints struck for theatrical, and then he would add, because, see, what you can do with a public domain movie is, if you make changes to it, it you colorize it you make a goofy soundtrack you know a riff something like that you can copyright your version of that okay so the original would still be public domain but your new edit of the movie you could copyright and only that version is copyrighted what Hill he would do is he would add Wade Williams presents as a title card at the front change some of the music buy up and destroy all of the prints of the original so the only way you could find an episode of Tales of Tomorrow or plan Nine or Horror Hotel is its Wade Williams presents Horror Hotel. That version's mine. That's copyrighted. He was basically saying the public domain exists, so I can make money and fuck all the rest of you. Wade Williams is one of those people, and I don't say this lightly. There are certain people like Roger Ailes of Fox News and Wade Williams. The world will be a better place when you're fucking dead.
1: No, I absolutely agree. Like I said, the guy, the guy deserves to get kicked by a horse and then die slowly from internal bleeding. Fuck and so, fuck people and s- like him. Just pure leeches of human beings. Like, I can't stand that. I can't stand people that are like, mass flagging videos that that are like pretending to own ownership especially if things that are public domain it's so like it's pathetic when you think about it like they're, they're the worst kinds of people like i don't i don't understand how people like that walk around and do stuff about the day like they're not just sliming through the cracks in the streets or something like they're just not human at least they don't they don't
0: seem human to me they seem like 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 a disease We're we're gonna make this a two-parter because i got a lot more of these i want to talk about but it will not be next week 'Cause next week David Irons and I, via a Patreon request, will be looking at the films of Alex Cox. So you two are off next week, well David Irons and I have to go through the Alex Cox filmography. You see the kind of bullets I take for you two? And you say <laughs> if anyone says we're not friends, but Yeah, you're really uh really murphying yourself for us. To close this episode out though, I mean, we're, we're essentially, if, if we go through, now of the Monster, then there's Warrior of the Lost World, saw it on VHS, Magic Voyages, Sinbad, Igar, and Gunslinger, and then finally Mitchell, we're through the Joel years. Mm. It's just shocking to me, like, I, I, I was called an elitist and a hipster when on Joe Bob's show, you know the the drive-in last drive-in thing on Shutter. I was shocked at how many of the comments were like, "Oh, this movie's amazing. I've never seen." He literally did not show one movie I had not already seen. <laughs> and it, it, it and w- when I when I was making comments like, "Man, you people just need to see more movies and stuff like this." Well, why why are like, you well, doing that? Let let people discover movies. Like you're you're a, like a raging cinephile. Your
1: your life is basically based on watching movies. Like, of course you've seen them. My life flows at twenty four
0: frames a second, dude. Oh, well, as as does everybody. That's that's regular eyesight. We all see in film stock. It, it it just it boggles my mind. And it's one thing if it's a younger generation when it's teenagers or you know early twenties and they're the they're first encountering. Okay, fine. But when I see people my age that are just encountering Chud and Wolf Guy and Madman, I'm like, dude, did you not watch movies growing up?
1: I I don't know,
0: man. Maybe they didn't.
1: You know, people discover things at uh, at very different times. i mean I'm still discovering movies I've never seen. Before And I think that's great as long as there's some avenue for them to see it and they actually appreciate what they're seeing. Like the only thing I don't like is is the mean spiritedness of it and just like dismissing something as like a stupid thing to laugh at. That's what I don't like. But if you're genuinely discovering it and it it becomes like one of your favorite movies to watch, like I consider that to be a pretty beautiful thing. At, at any age at any really age as long as you're you got a positive
0: mind about it and it's something that you that you really enjoyed do you guys think that mystery science theater and this is not the fault of the guys who made it somehow make these movies seem worse than they are like the fact that phase 4 and hanger 18 and warrior of the lost world and robot holocaust and all this are on Mystery science theater that gives them a weird designation because I have seen so many people, both younger and older, who have the ideal that if it's on Mystery Science Theater, or even modern days, if it's on Rift Tracks, then it must be a bad movie. That they only do bad movies. Yeah, I, 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 I think find, I do find that pretty annoying. Like like I said, I mean, I
1: think I said that like the very beginning of the episode is I I don't like the mean spiritedness of it. And it's sometimes there's a riff crew here like in Vancouver. They're actually I think they're some of the writers for the newest uh, mystery science theater as well. They're called the Gentleman Hecklers. And every now and then they'll do they'll do a great show, you know. They've done they've done Your Before, they've done Hard Ticket to Hawaii, but then every now and then they'll do like Nightmare on Elm Street 3. And it's like what? Can you not do that? You're going to people are gonna perceive it that way like oh they're this stupid freddy movie no it's one of the best fucking horror movies of the 80s nightmare on elm street 3 that's like that's like peak freddy krueger that's chuck russell and frank darbaugh man it's a fantastic film like it's genuinely good near flawless like but probably but on Peter. a technical on a technical level probably the best of the nightmare on elm streets and i i don't agree with that being ripped for that same reason that you'll have the people going in that assume oh because it's on the riff show it's automatically you know a film which
0: I don't but think is there Peter but Here's the thing. I, I, don't think anything is above being riffed, just like I don't think any joke is off limits, no matter how bad taste. Oh, sure. I, I get in tr- the thing with, with riffing is, now, you've got the one thing that people automatically will assume it's a bad movie, but also, it's a lot harder to riff a good movie. And it makes you, it forces you to be more creative. I remember years ago when Charlie McMullen and I tried to riff Horror Express, a genuinely good film that Mystery Science Theater never did, but a genuinely good film, we kind of kept getting lost just watching the movie because it's like, oh shit, yeah, th- this is a good movie, but we, we we're supposed to be making jokes. We just kept watching it because it's a good movie, you know?
2: Rift yeah. tracks
0: did riff tracks did the Sixth
2: Sense, and <laughs> I'm watching it, and like it it actually as much as I love Riff tracks. I'm watching it and they're struggling and I'm like, why would you do this? Like it really there like it wasn't really funny and there wasn't really anything like they had a couple of Shyamalan jokes in there. It's just like just felt like reaching it just really they were struggling it wasn't uh it wasn't right like i mean there is a certain type of movie that is just really made for for riffing and
1: um i understand like you know they do uh
2: like they, they did the star wars on movies um stuff one,
1: and, one of the one of the best things riff tracks ever did was the troll 2 um, oh yeah troll 2 riff, it's amazing like that's a perfect film to riff on the jokes are on point and that's a movie you can watch both with the riff tracks and without one but it's it was so good like mike nelson was on there with some other guy and it was hilarious. But then yeah, the sixth sense, I, I don't really I don't really get
2: it. That was more that was closer to when they were starting, so I think they were trying they were they were trying new things. Because that was sure. within the
0: first couple years. I I, I I would actually like though, try to riff a hard movie. Like, come on, riff tracks, where's Sallow? American yeah. history X. Yes, his Serbia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, if if you guys are as good as you say you are, I want you to riff a movie that is hard to sit through, not because it's bad.
2: Ooh, Martyrs. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, my God, just oof.
0: <laughs> but, okay, I, on that note, these guys will be off next week. We'll come back to this in two weeks, but David will be joining me next week for... An Alex Cox retrospective because I am not a fan of Alex Cox (laughs) and I would not be doing this if it were not a Patreon request. So oh I've been backed into the corner for this one. So fine, but I will be lashing out. I warned them ahead of time and okay. The, the, the Patreon requester had the most perfect response. I, I warned him. I'm not going to have good things to say because I don't like Alex Cox movies. He said, nobody listens to your show to hear you say good things about movies.
1: That's actually, <laughs> yeah, that's true. He's on point. Sorry to tell you. you, you do have a
0: lot of very negative opinions on things. Well, I, I mentioned I was at the giant spider invasion thing in green Bay. The, rift tracks and i met one of our listeners hello caleb and he had one of the most amazing comments to me after that he loves on the show how much i get on cecil's nerves <laughs> i can't sum it up better can you that's fantastic no. so on that note where can we find cecil biting his fingernails you can find me biting my fingernails
2: at uh flicks on youtube twitch twitter facebook uh twelve one beyond dot com. Go hey, packers. You're not even from
1: Wisconsin. <laughs> no, I'm not. I don't even like football. Peter,
0: where can people find you?
1: Find me over here um, on Twitter at Cinematica, on Facebook The Cinematicist, YouTube The Cinematicist, of course on 1201Beyond.com with other fine programming, and on Patreon at Cinematica. I have a somewhat recent-ish video out on slime movies. Go check that out. I should have another video out in about a week thank you for your support all of you you're all great except for those of you that suck
0: then i guess i'm out but you guys can (laughs) you guys can contact me at 1201beyond at gmail.com go to 1201beyond.com remember the vpn code 1201beyond.com backslash drome vpn there's the adam and eve code drome we got a lot of drome here try to be a cut above keep one foot in the gutter one fist in the gold